Thanks, Stephen. Good morning. If you want to turn to Psalm 136, that's where we're going to be this morning. It's great to be out here with the family at Fairview Park again. If you're a member of the family, which most of you here are, you know that it's been a fairly tough time here recently, especially health-wise. There's a lot of sickness, a lot of big, scary things going on right now. I've had people describe all of the sort of events that have come on recently talking to me. Some people that have been members of church of a church for their whole lives tell me this is some of the scariest time they've ever seen a church go through as far as physical health. I've had people describe this time recently as a set of gut punches. They feel like they just can't catch their breath. It's been tough. And so I don't know about you guys, but what I needed to hear this week is I needed to hear about the love of God. I needed to pray about that, and I needed to sing about it, and I needed to read and study it. And so that's what we're going to do today in this first service as Drew has already led us in songs about love we're going to keep thinking about the love of God this morning. If you, if you just skim Psalm 136, it doesn't take you very long to see the love of God. You are going to hear the phrase, for the steadfast love of God endures forever. You're going to hear that phrase 26 times just reading through it in 26 verses. You are going to hear it a lot. And you're going to hear me say it just about as many times. And so for a long time when I've kind of seen this psalm, I've known what the main point is, right? It doesn't take very much reading to figure out what the psalm is trying to convey. But what I really want to focus on here is how the psalm chooses to make that point. How does the psalm choose to show us that God's steadfast love endures forever? And what the psalm's going to do today is it's going to give us three examples from the very early history of the Bible. We're going to go all the way back basically through the first few books of the law of Moses. And it's going to show us how God was working in love all the way through that time so that we can learn to look and appreciate God, look for and appreciate God's steadfast love in our lives now. So that's what we're going to do today. And first, as we start, let's just read Psalm 136 together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
to him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever, for him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, it doesn't take very long to figure out what the psalm is trying to say to us. But I want to take a look at the detail behind showing us who our God is and how his steadfast love endures forever. And so let's look first just at the first four verses of Psalm 136 again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. So these first four verses of this psalm... They serve as sort of an introduction before we get into sort of the meat of how God shows his steadfast love. These first four verses just establish who God is and what our role is with him. So the psalm emphasizes from the beginning, God is good. God is powerful. God is the God of gods. There is no other God. He's the God that reigns over all things, and He's the only one with power to do miracles. He's the only one that has power to create. He is the only one with true mercy and righteousness, true love and justice. 
Our God is a powerful and loving God, and yet he still chooses to be our God. And that is the theme that will take us through the rest of this psalm. That God is so powerful that he can work whatever great deed he wants to, and yet he chooses to attach himself to us, faulty people. And that's the main theme that the psalm really wants you to chew on. And it starts here all the way from the beginning. It shows God is powerful, God is perfect, God is loving, and yet the first words of the psalm... Give thanks to the Lord. We are being invited in to take part in this worship of God. That though God is perfect and powerful and loving, he still wants a relationship with you. He wants you to give thanks and praise him. He wants you to live a life of gratefulness to him. And so that's the basis of everything this psalm is going to talk about. The love of God shown through his relationship with us. Let's look at the way this psalm chooses to share that with us. We're going to read verses 5 through 9 again. To him who by understanding made the heavens... For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. So here the psalm psalm starts by taking us all the way back to the very, very beginning. All the way back to, we would say, Genesis 1. Our first example of the steadfast love of God is the creation of the universe itself. The psalm speaks of God creating the skies on day two. God creating the land, the earth itself on day three, and God creating the sun, moon, and stars on day four. It draws us back to the very basis of creation. But you should be asking a question. I understand how that shows God's power, but the psalm's theme isn't for the power of the Lord endures forever, even though that's true. How does creation show us the love of God? And that's something that is answered all the way back in Genesis 1. If you want to turn to Genesis 1, we're going to be reading verses 26 through 30. And all the way back at the very beginning of the world we see some of God's first thoughts about the purpose of what creation is. And if you're with me in verse, oh, that's a really tiny font. Well, you probably can't read it there, but if you're, if you're in the scripture with me, let's start reading in verse 26. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And verse 31 says, and God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And that was the sixth day. All the way back at the very beginning of creation, God tells us what the purpose of everything is. God has made everything and it is perfect, very good, as God says. And yet, He made it for man. He made it so that men and women, humankind, can be blessed and can have dominion and can rule over the earth. That's the purpose that God gives everything that you see. The very beginning of creation shows us the love of God because it shows us that though God could create whatever he wanted, And God could have had it for himself. He chose to make this amazing, beautiful universe for us. To bless us. That everything you see, mountains and canyons and birds and waterfalls and whatever else it is that you just think is amazing in this world, God made it for us. The very creation of God screams that his steadfast love endures forever. God, the only God, the one with immense, unimaginable power to give and to create, chooses to do that for us. Continue on with me in Psalm 136. We're going to read verses 10 through 15. Who struck down many nations and killed many kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the king... Oh, that's Psalm 135. I mean, it's pretty similar to later things, but we're going to read Psalm 136 instead if you want. Starting back in verse 10. To him who struck them the firstborn of Egypt for his steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever with a strong hand and outstretched 
arm for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his steadfast love endures forever. Maybe this is sort of more what we think about when we think of the love of God. I think if I kind of polled everyone here and I said, give me the foremost example of God's love for his people in the Old Testament, I would say that probably the majority of us would say the Exodus. And that's exactly what this psalm points to. The time where God's people were in slavery and they cried out to him. Notice the way that Exodus 2 puts it. Because the Israelites were in a terrible, terrible position. They were slaves, and not just slaves to anyone, but slaves to perhaps the most powerful nation on the entire earth at the time. It was a hopeless situation. This is what Exodus 2 verses 23 through 25 says. During those, day, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So in this time where by man's standards, the Israelites were hopeless. The Israelites were not a great enough people that they were going to be able to overthrow Egypt. They were going to be able to escape in any way. They were done for. God saw that his people cried out to him and humbled themselves. God saw, God remembered his promises And God knew what he had to do. And then he did. The rest of the book of Exodus shows God acting on behalf of his people. Delivering them, sending the plagues like the psalm talks about. Overthrowing the most powerful nation on the earth. Dominating nature by bringing them through the Red Sea. Over and over again, miracle after miracle, God delivering his people because God remembered his promises and God knew. And what Psalm 36, 136, wants us to see is that even when things are at their absolute worst, even when things are hopeless by man's standards, God sees you, God remembers his promises, and our God is a God who delivers his people. That's not to say that there will never be trials and there will never be difficulties. I'm sure those years of slavery in Egypt were awful. But God delivers his people because that's who he is. And that's what Psalm 136 wants us to see. 
is that though we are pressed at times, though we go through terrible trials that seem hopeless at times, God's steadfast love endures forever. Let's continue on starting in verse 16 and we'll read through verse 22. To him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to his servant Israel for his steadfast Steadfast love endures forever. I don't know about you guys, but this strikes me as odd that the psalmist points to the time of the wilderness and the conquest to show that God's steadfast love endures forever. Because if you just think back in your mind to the time of the wilderness wanderings, And the time of the conquest, they were not good times for God's people. Why were they in the wilderness to begin with? They were in in the wilderness because their faith in God had failed. They disobeyed Him. They created idols. They didn't rely on Him. And so they were punished. Or even in the time of the conquest, because this focuses on the fact that the people of Israel were brought into the land, and that is true, but they didn't inherit nearly the amount of land they were supposed to because they didn't trust God, they didn't do what He said, and they were punished. The conquest ultimately was a failure. So why does Psalm 136 point to this as evidence of God's love. Notice what it chooses to focus on. It chooses to focus on the fact that God led his people through the wilderness. He was the one that sent them there in the first place, and yet, though Israel had broken their covenant with him, and he had every right to just leave them stranded in the wilderness, he chooses to lead them out like a father leading his child by the hand. Or notice that it talks about God defeating all of these kings and giving Israel a heritage land, even though Israel, for the most part, didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And you should be asking the question, why? Why did God bless Israel so much, completely undeservingly, when they had broken their covenant with him? And the answer is because that's, who God is. If you look in Exodus 34, Exodus 34, God had delivered the law to the people, was in the process of delivering the law to Moses to give to the people. And the people have already broken the covenant with him. They've created a golden calf. They've worshiped it. That's the first two commandments down already 
and God is angry. And yet, God chooses to forgive the people of Israel. And God chooses to renew his covenant with them. And you just ask why. Here's what God says. He says, here's who I am. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God says, yes, I will punish the obstinate and the guilty. Absolutely, you cannot get around that. He will do that to the third and fourth generation, it says. But then he emphasizes, but for thousands, I will show love and faithfulness to my promises. I will forgive sin." That at the core of when God says, here is who I am, what he says is what I want you to know is my love is abounding and I will forgive transgression and sin. And I will be faithful to my promises. And that's exactly what Psalm 136 emphasizes. The people of Israel did not earn the land The people of Israel did not earn being delivered from the wilderness. They couldn't. And yet, because God is a God who loves, and God is a God who forgives, and God is a God who is faithful to his people, he chose to bless them anyway. And what Psalm 136 is emphasizing is you are unworthy of God's promises. I am unworthy of God's promises. Everyone here is. And yet, he is faithful and loving anyway. Let's finish this psalm together, and then we'll talk about what it means for us. Back in verse 23. It is he who remembered our low estate for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. The psalm finishes right where it started with who God is. That God is the one who raises the humble, God is the one who blesses all, and God is the one who delivers his people. So the question is, what do we do with this psalm? I tell you what, I don't like repetitive songs. You ever hear a song on the radio and it seems like it just has like one line that it just repeats over and over again? What I do is I turn those songs off. I hate them. And so for years, I kind of viewed this psalm the same way. Don't you have anything more to say? I kind of get the point. But I didn't. Why do you think that Psalm 136 says 26 times that God's steadfast love endures forever? It's because I need to hear it 
26 times. Because I need to be shown that God's steadfast love endures forever. Even when I think I've got it. I said before that these have been pretty tough times recently. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I'm saying that. I've heard a lot of people say the same exact thing. There's a lot of people struggling, a lot of people suffering right now. What Psalm 136 reaches out and says is even when you don't know the way forward, even when you know you're unworthy, even when you're struggling, God's steadfast love is there. Even when you can't see it. I bet, God, I get, I bet it's really hard to find God's steadfast love when you're wandering in the wilderness. I bet it's really hard to find God's steadfast love when you're a slave in Egypt. And yet Psalm 136 tells us it was there the whole time. So I don't know what each one of you is going through. You may not be able to see God's steadfast love right now. But I promise you it's there. Because our God is the God who loves, our God is the God who forgives, and our God is the God that delivers His people. God sees us, God remembers His promises, and God delivers His people, even though they're unworthy, because that's who our God is. Our God is the only God. Our God is the powerful God. Our God is the faithful God. And his steadfast love endures forever. So look for it. Look for ways to show other people, to reflect the steadfast love of God into their life. Look for ways that God is showing you steadfast love, even right now. And most of all, Pray. Because God will see, God will remember, and God will act. Trust his steadfast love. We all understand God's steadfast love a little bit. All of us here who have made that commitment, because though we ruined God's creation, he made it for us anyway. Though we chose to be slaves to sin, He forgave us. And though we are unworthy, He has promised us an eternal inheritance. You can see God's love sitting right here. Because all of us are only here because of the steadfast love of the Lord. Don't forget that. Hold on to that. We're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed to our classes.
Father in heaven, loving God of gods. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your trustworthiness. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your deliverance. And thank you for your eternal steadfast love that you give to us even though we are dust, we are former slaves to sin, and we do not deserve your love. And yet you give it to us because it is who you are. It is who you always have been and who you always will be. For you never change. Thank you especially for letting your love shine to us in these difficult times at Fairview Park. We ask that you show your steadfast love to Miss Mindy Cox, to Miss Lisa Hancock, to Miss Elizabeth Hudson, to Mr. John McPherson, to Miss Doris Reynolds, to Mr. Matt Bassford's loved ones, to Mr. Don Chrysler, to Mr. Alan Blaylock, to Miss Becky Castleberry, and to all of our number who are sick, and to their families, and to the spiritual family here. Help us to trust your power to deliver them, and help us trust your power to deliver us. Help us to seek your steadfast love, to look for it in our lives, and to always find it. Help us to live lives of thanksgiving and praise and reflect your steadfast love back to you and to the family here and to all we meet on a daily basis. Father, thank you most of all for your son Jesus, the ultimate show of your steadfast love. He is the Lord of Lords. He recreated us. He has delivered us from our slavery and oppression, and he has given us a spiritual inheritance. He is the living proof that your steadfast love endures forever and that it is active in our lives today. It is in his name we pray. Amen.